most important thing in our lives and, and can be done daily no matter what situations we are in, as we had learned in that. And one thanks Pastor Ray for Sunday too, talking about knowing the Father, know, knowing the Father no, no, more, and knowing how He sees us as well. So that is so such important as well too. And uh, tonight we want to continue a little bit on these lines of of um, looking at screens like this. No, I don't know what just happened, but we're going to look on lines of uh, um, about knowing God more as well. Uh, but getting a little bit more into details of things, too. All right. Technical difficulty for a second. Just give me one minute here. Sorry about that. Don't talk amongst yourself. There we go. All right. See if this helps us for a bit. So, But we want to talk about tonight about discipling. Woo, exciting, right? <laughs> it doesn't draw a lot of crowds, I think, when you talk about this, but we appreciate you being here tonight. Uh, discipling is such a very important thing uh, in the role of uh, a Christ follower's life, and uh, it, it can mean many different things for many people, uh, but certainly when we decide to follow Christ, it is, it is really one of the most important things we have to do. It's not optional if we're deciding to follow Christ. You see, there's many Christians, and we know this, that can become a Christian in title, but have no action behind that title. And that, and especially the days in, in, that are ahead of us right now, and that we're in right now, uh, that, that really defines many things on where your life may go. And at some point where your life may go that you may not have an option of where it goes. Because those that stand on the sideline in title of being a Christian, as our world goes in an opposite direction on the other side, uh, you may find yourself in a place where you didn't expect. But in discipling, as being folks that want to follow Christ, they are in tune as best they can to go somewhere and make a goal of becoming more like Christ, as we know. And in these times we're in, it's so important to know God more and more. And that comes through these disciple processes. Let's see if this will work for me. Oh, I'm sorry, with technical difficulty tonight. Let me get this work. All right. Apologize. Ah, frozen screen. I am sorry about this. Hmm. There we go. All right, we're going to go into this pattern a little bit. So, as we were just talking about the pat- we're talking about following Christ. Let's talk about the path to following Christ. I believe there's three main key areas, and we've heard many of these before, but combining them together in the concept and truth of following Christ, they come together that one is not more important than the other. Inclusively, they need to be together. So, 
It may seem like we're doing Sunday School 101, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, but we have to start there. The path to following Christ starts with a commitment to a Savior and a King. Savior who has saved us from an eternal death, right? But we can't stop there. We have to understand what Christ did, not just to save us from eternal death, but because of his obedience to his Father, Father God crowned him a king, and a king for us. And what do kings do? They help us in our lives by ruling us in a certain way. But King Jesus doesn't rule us in a dictatorship. He rules us through the heart of the Father in a way that what's best for us. So the first path of this is committing to a Savior and King. Most of us in this room have probably done that and gone beyond and started doing that. Second thing where it gets more in-depth and what we talked about a little bit in the series called Knowing God is you begin to need a discipline. And when that discipline begins, things don't just fall in your lap when you become a Christian. Day one, I come to Christ. I want to follow Christ. And the birds sing louder. And the sun is shining brighter. And there's no troubles. And I got no, what was the, uh, kuna matata. No worries for the rest of my days. Is that what happens when we say, I'm going to follow Christ on day two? No. In our physical realm, no. Spiritually, a whole thing has shifted it for us in a good way. But in our physical life, we have to create a discipline, a discipline to be on a path to follow Christ. And we talked about these disciplines a few Sundays ago. It's spending time in the Word. It's praying and praying, as Pastor Paul brought out a few weeks ago too, the importance of there. And praying is a communion with our Father, whether it's through petition or interceding for others or just communing and connecting with our Father on a day-to-day basis. These are disciplines. Worshiping is a discipline. Being in a, a room like this is a discipline. Right? Not, we don't always want to come to church sometimes. Can I be honest? Pastor, I can be pastors. Not every day is we wake up on Sunday morning. The pastoral team wakes up on Sunday morning. Alarm clock doesn't even need to go off. We are out the door so excited to get here. There are days that we have to know that we have to make ourselves go to church. We are still human in this room. It's okay to say that because we're going to see how Jesus was part of that too. So that disciple, we got to do that. We got to keep doing that. And that disciple should turn into a desire at some point because you're not just doing religion. You're doing relationship with an amazing God that loves you more than anything else. And when we begin to realize that more, it becomes an identity of ourselves, that we are loved, that we are loved. And that desire grows and grows that I want to continue to know God more and grow my relationship. If this stops, it's hard to get to discipline, desire. You know, just, there are some people that jump into desire on day one of getting saved, but they don't form a discipline, and about a week or two later, where are they? <laughs> they're not here, or they're not following Christ. Then when the desire grows, we understand how important it is to be discipled, to be discipled. Jesus had 12 
disciples. We're called to be like those disciples. And when we're in discipleship, things start affecting us more eternally and externally. Internally, that the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God continues to grow in our lives daily. The things that we lived on yesterday and inspiration and discovery of God doesn't get old. It gets even grows greater and greater in discovering in the knowledge of God of who He is and whose you are in Him. Discovery of all this. But that comes through discipleship and the effects come internally first and then eventually should be starting to affect externally things in your life. All through discipleship. This is the path to following Jesus. Jesus. I want to talk about him today, tonight, more and more. But I want to talk about the discipling he did. And then we'll get on to a little how it's relevant in our day and age today. And even as part of a Faith Christian Center community. Jesus, the Son of Man. You realize, and we'll go more on this down the road in months ahead, Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. He referred to himself not as Jesus Christ. I know the joke is that's his last name, but Christ is a functionary title. Just as Messiah, defined in the Hebrew. But Son of Man is not a functionary title. You know what I mean by functionary. He came to redeem you and me and saved us from our sins. That's a functionary. That's important. But it doesn't say who he is. Who he is is the Son of Man. Son of Man title was what put him on a cross, actually. Because people couldn't understand that you have somebody that's a Son of Man... Son from Adam. I know Pastor Ray did a wonderful message on the second Adam. Son of Adam. But he was also divine as well. We know this, but it's in that title of who Jesus is. Humanity and divinity colliding. That's Jesus. And he had to use this title because he had to relate to you and I. And this is what got him in mixed waters. How can this guy with long hair, let's say it's long hair, the depictions that we get, a robe, some new Nikes, how did he, how did he, looking like a human, say he was the son of God at times? I mean, what he spoke truth, that he was hearing this from his father. It, it drove the religious folks mad, as we know. But when Jesus was on planet Earth, And he had his mission to do his father's will. And in that father's will was a vision. What is he seeing in front of him now? And that was discipling the people that would follow him. And he would help disciple the teaching through teaching we'll talk about, reaching and connecting. Pastor Chris, that sounds so familiar. Well, good. You've been listening then. (laughs) And we'll get on to that in a minute. Some of us may say, when we read about Jesus, he came to earth to showcase the great listening ability he had to his father. He did. He listened to his father and only did his father's will. But his main mission was to make disciples so when he went back to his father, they would be doing about his father's business like he was. 
We want to become more like Christ. That was his main goal. But Christianity wants to stop and look at all he did. Functionary titles, which are very important. But who he was, was to disciple all of us to be like him. Not another God, but be like Christ, who followed a God and the God. When we can get a hold of this, we know we can walk in what Jesus was doing. So how did he do this discipling? Teaching. Teaching was really the core thing. When he was in front of his disciples and the general crowd that would be coming to him, he taught. I know myself growing up, no surprise to my parents, but I was not an A student. Teaching was not a big paramount thing in my life. Like I, the importance that I saw in school, teaching, something I may need to know. Then when I got into college, obviously, and we get a little older, we understand the value of teaching. It's important. Jesus knew the importance of it because many times when people were developing crowds, he would teach. Just to go through a few of his teachings, which we know very well, but I want to really lay into it a little more tonight. And these are just a few out of many. And I don't have the scriptures on the board. I want you just to hear tonight, not even the Bible on your lap. Believe it or not, when Jesus was preaching, some didn't have the King James in their lap. They were listening to the Master. And by no means am I the master, but I'm reading his words right now. Just in this scripture alone, he's trying to teach something. And we'll we'll follow up. Then he said to the crowd, we talked about crowds. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Peter, what was he teaching there? I'm, I'm pointing everybody. I'm just jumping right now. What was he teaching there? To mortify your flesh, make a sacrifice of the body, mm. and follow his will. Good, Peter. Yes, follow, sacrifice. There's some something there that doesn't sound exciting at first, but but he's talking about sacrifice and picking up a cross, my cross. That what do you mean? What is, is something dying? What's going on here? But he's teaching this. He's teaching this. That's great. Let's go on to another one. We'll continue here. And here's another verse. But to you who are willing to listen. I don't know. This just hit me this morning when I, I, I read the word willing. Willing involves your what? I'm slow at times, but follow me. Willing involves your what? Your will. Yes. So important. So Jesus is saying... But, but to you who are willing, that means I can decide not to listen. I can decide to say, you know what, these are nice words, but they don't apply to me, and I begin to shut off. You have that choice. But you, to you who are willing to listen, I say, everybody's leaning in, I can just see it in the, the crowd that he's talking, love your enemies. <laughs> Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, 
offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer the shirt as well. That's pretty challenging. But Jesus was trying to get to the heart of the matters of things. He was going deeper than the pharisaical laws of Moses and what the institutions of the temples and everybody was teaching that we have to that we have to follow these laws which are important and still are today. But it had nothing to do with the spirit of what God was trying to say. And these things that seem like challenging to the flesh can bring life when we crucify them with Christ. And people are listening going, wait a minute, this is beyond. And they got the Pharisees mad. He's teaching things in the structure of a law, but where's his authority from? Son of man, Jesus? Teaching. Here's another one. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. Man, this is a mirror verse. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. I just understand people hearing this for the first time. That Jesus is teaching this and, and getting people in to, to saying that, that, that you're, you're, you're human. The reasoning that you're using is, is not a godly way at all. But it's upside down what the Father God wants us to do. He goes on, he says, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a pine tree in your own? That's my translation. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eyes? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. Wow. The heart of Jesus' message in these verses is that myself is not that important as I thought it was. <laughs> that there's something greater here that he's trying to teach that, I've, that I need to work towards and know that it's something greater that's better than what I've been doing before. Just hearing these for the first time and teaching it. He goes on. Again, these were not... These were not words that would start a megachurch right away. They weren't. But he was still drawing crowds, which was interesting. Another one, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Ooh, some relief out of this, right? But if you refuse to forgive, forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Teaching the importance of what? Forgiveness. Forgiveness, which is the heart of most issues in all our lives. Forgiving people. We learned earlier, who? Those who hurt us. Forgiveness. He was teaching this. Another one, for I will give you the right words. This is a great verse when we're under pressure. But Jesus said, for I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. 
Even those closest to you, your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends will betray you. How many have had a few betrayals in their, their life? <laughs> the people you didn't expect, right? Bless you. Didn't expect. Took the dagger and went, ugh, right in the back and left it and walked away. <laughs> but he's saying, they will even maybe kill you and even will hate you. Not because you were doing the status quo of culture, but because you were following me. I'm not, what I'm about to say is I'm saying I'm not the greatest example, but why as Christians do we get so frustrated when we get persecuted? Jesus was very sure that we're going to run into this, and he taught this. He said, I'm not giving you a brochure of, like I said earlier, of a wonderful resort life, all-inclusive. Everything's there. Eternity-wise, that's beyond brochure and explanation. It's great. But on this physical life that you're holding on to right now, I am guaranteeing that you're going to get persecuted. It goes on, says, but not a hair on your head will perish. By standing firm, you win your soul. So important. But he's teaching that this is so vitally important that if you follow me, there's going to be some things that may go on that you may have not expected. Family member may stab you in the back, a co-worker, because they don't believe in God. People say things. But yet Jesus is encompassing this whole thing, saying, I'm teaching you that come and follow me. There's a sacrifice, as Peter said. We have to come and follow, take up your cross. And when you do, he hasn't said anything beautiful yet of where we're going either. But when you do, people may persecute you. But I'm asking you, I'm not asking Jesus, I'm telling you, I'm teaching you that you have to forgive and love them. Because ultimately, They are not what you're living for. You're living for God, the Father, Abba. He's calling you to love them, but not live for them. Some parents live too much for their kids. Some family members live too much from their family members. We're living for God. We're living for God. So that's teaching. I mean, we've done it at Faith Christian Center. Teaching, teaching, as we're doing now. Teaching. And the importance of taking that teaching and not just saying, I enjoyed it. It was all right. Glad I came. Those were seeds that could go into the ground of your heart to begin to transform your heart and be true discipling that Jesus was leading his disciples to do. But you got to be willing to do that. Your will. Teaching. As Christ followers, the pressure a little bit gets escalated. And Jesus, as we're saying, he was doing these examples and teaching, but he was expecting his disciples to begin to do the same things he did certainly after he sent it up to the Father. So if he's saying that about the disciples, 
that were with him. How much more are you and I, even if I don't have a pastor title in front of me, how much are you more and I called to teach people about the love of God around us? Pastor, I only know four scriptures. One's enough. One's enough. Step out and he steps in. We're called to teach. Not the teaching. We live in a life that, I mean, it was already proven. I mean, you had the days of Hitler. He knew how to get to a nation by starting to teach the young generation lies. And look what happened. Right now we have a bookshelf of that. You have in kindergarten teaching about identity and choices and everything else. And you have the professors in the university that think their world is in that room they're teaching and their God. Not everybody. There's great teachers. But it doesn't take many to pollute. And you have this going on. Teaching is, Satan is using teaching, the very nature of what God created, and perverting that to become truth to some degree by people that are imperfected following not God, but themselves in the long run. And we have to be careful about that. And not every teacher is teaching truth, right? Even on, I'll leave that alone. All right, so we're going to go to reaching right now. Jesus did a lot of reaching. Not just the real reaching of coming down to heaven onto earth. That's more falling. I'm talking about reaching. Reaching and the reality of reaching is I have to exert some effort from where I am. That's re- I'm reaching, right? We know this. But how much more in our souls and our spirits do we need to reach for things in our lives that God's calling us to? Things don't just fall in our laps, like I said earlier. Part of the disciple process is reaching. God's calling us to stretch a little bit. But you know the amazing thing? He'll never stretch you beyond (laughs) where you can be stretched. But it's usually the stretching beyond that you ever thought you could go. It's amazing. But Jesus reached. He was reaching when he was in ministry. He was reaching... In his teaching, obviously, but he was even reaching in the areas of going to the cross. Calvary was a reach for him. If you remember, he had those moments in the garden. Father, if you can we just pass this cup? Do I really have to go to the cross? His humanity was talking there. He had to reach as he picked up the cross for you and I and carry that. Up the hill, reaching, reaching. Jesus before that was reaching into areas where not many world evangelists would go. He would reach into the area where people were hurting. He went into villages to reach. He didn't set up a church for people to come. He went out to reach the lost and teach the truth and heal people. He was reaching Our Savior, our King, gives us an example of how we need to reach beyond ourselves by trusting in God's will in our lives. If we do not develop an expectation of reaching in our lives, we will stay where we are now 
and it will probably carry us to tomorrow, and that's about it. We're called to reach, reach. Let's talk about connecting. Jesus, the Son of Man, connecting. Great teacher, went out to reach. But in these things, he connected at all times. In scripture that we saw. He would connect to the people that were hurting so he could heal them. He would connect to the people that had doubt so he could teach them. He was always connecting to his audience. He didn't stand in a high pulpit tower looking down, teaching and thinking he was reaching. He was in the eyes of everybody around him. He read the room. He knew where everybody was. Because he cared about you and I. So how much more if... even, Even talk about when Jesus comes finally on the scene after Lazarus dies... And Mary and Martha, they all come out all worried and they know who Jesus is, but they're like, man, you were late. And then he showed a sign that he must have been connecting with Lazarus. Said they were good friends. But it must have been a real human connection because it's the only scripture where we hear Jesus wept. So if Jesus wept, he had a connection with Lazarus, a human connection. He was connecting. How much more times, even with Mary and Martha, where Jesus is for dinner for Mary and Martha's house. And Mary's at the foot of the master. They're connecting. He was there to connect. He was there to connect. How much more, if we're disciples, we're called to connect. That can be hard for some people because we're usually called to a place that we don't agree with or it's too dark. I don't understand what I'm called to, these people I'm called to connect with. There's no understanding, so how can I connect? The only way you can truly connect is that the love you've been received from God begins to bubble out and overflow to others. Love is a choice. Remind yourself of that in those times. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. But Jesus was connecting. He even went to a scripture in his teaching that said this of how much importance it is not only for him to connect to the people around him, but for the people to connect to him. He said this in John. I am the vine. You are the branches Those who remain in me, them will I produce much fruit. From a part, not connected, you can do nothing. So there's a connection to the Father. And if we continue to be connected to the Father, He will fill us so we can be connected to those He puts in front of us. To connect. To connect. So Jesus, the Son of Man, did these things. But not so we could read these on Sunday and say, whoa, the power of God was at move. But he was doing these in a discipleship mode so he could train the disciples to carry out what he did. 
And as we've said before, if we're following Christ, we're disciples as well. Correct? So Jesus discipled the disciples. Jesus did not gather the 12 to make a fan club or get popular or get famous. I mean, at the very least, if we read and we'll find out more in months to come or other pastors going into the reality of Son of Man, is in many cases Jesus told his disciples, listen, I'm doing these things for you to see, not for you to put it on Facebook today or publicize everything. Because he was very intentional about leading them, not creating fans, but followers. But he discipled the disciples. So that's Jesus. So what does that mean for us? I know pastor, that means we're disciples and we need to do what the disciples did because that's what Jesus did. But what is it? The 24th of January, 2000. Is it the 24th? Yeah, 24th of January, 2024. What does this mean for me as I'm sitting in a seat right now at Faith Christian Center? I am so glad you asked. Well, let's breathe out. This seems simplistic, but, but in order to go where we want to go, we need to start at ground level of things. Faith Christian Center, Pastor Sam founded this church, leading from God all the way from Texas. Many of you know the story. Why Faith Christian Center as the name? I know he's bringing a word of faith church into a a very interesting, darkened area of New England. But Faith Christian Center, well, faith. When we say faith, about Faith Christian Center, simply means faith in a God that loves you and wants a relationship with you. Not faith, I get the best parking lot at the mall tomorrow. Those are self-centered things. We're talking about faith. That's all Jesus was talking about. Have faith in God that loves you. These other promises come alongside of that, but you have to have faith of the guy who's given it to you Heavenly Father, God, Abba, Father. Faith in Him, the provider, the giver. We say, I need healing. Well, let's believe in the healer first. So important. Seems like a fine line, and it is, but it'll give you in two different directions. Faith in God that loves you. He does love you and wants, oh my gosh, a relationship with you. Christian. We talked about titles earlier. But I believe in a a Christian of action is Christian, a lifestyle that honors God by following Jesus to become more like him. Jesus, Christian. Pastor Sam did not put center here by accident, I believe. And we've said this before. Center, a place where different activities and events take place to form a community to, to fulfill God's will alone. Activities, we do different things. Women's, men's, all things that are going on are not just to keep us all busy. They're part of the discipleship. But the center, faith Christian center. 
Let's dig deeper. We're going somewhere. I'm not just throwing out sales pitches for you tonight for the church. Mission. Mission. Let's talk about mission of Faith Christian Center. To love those close and far from Jesus. Wait a minute, Pastor. I'd rather love the people close. So much easier. Most of our mission is to love the far. What we talked about earlier in connecting. From Jesus into a relationship that equips them to answer the call. We're all called. We're all called. Settle that. You're called. If you are following Christ, you're called to follow Christ and proclaim His name. Called and then walk in their purpose. Purpose. Each of us have different purposes in our life, but it's all under the same call. That's our mission. Amen, Pastor. Hallelujah. Did I get this right? Let me see. Let me do this. I'll go here. So you have a mission. And then we have what? What do you think that guy's doing? A vision. Then we have a vision. Faith Christian Center. What's the vision? Anybody? Reaching. We usually go teaching, reaching, and connecting. Wait a minute. That's what Jesus did. Huh. That's our vision. That's our vision. It's how we see us fulfilling the mission. And the, un, the ground level of all of this is resting upon discipleship. Discipleship. That's it. But before I sell you this resort, let me go back to here for something. Hang on, let me find this thing. Here's one of the anchor truths. And Peter kind of led into it earlier. I need to let you know. There is a cost to follow Christ. Cost. That cost is a loss of your effort to sustain a secular self. Take a minute to digest that. The loss I'm costing, I'm losing my efforts that I like to do and all I know to sustain me, my secular self. We know what secular is. It's simply the, the truth that I can live without God. I don't need a religious or any belief of anything greater than myself. The cost, but you're going to lose that. That's not a bad thing, but it is costful. Your efforts to sustain a secular self. If we continue to try and be Christians and want to sustain a secular self, and we don't do this intentionally, but we're going to try and hold on to my secular self, that can be very painful at times because you're literally sitting on a fence. And the enemy loves fence sitters because you know what? It doesn't take much to get them off the fence and wherever they fall. So let's continue. The means, everybody remember, means to an end of things. The means by which this is done is through discipleship that brings you into the fullness of Christ. Does that make sense? But there's a cost, Pastor. Yes. And most of you realize that. But we need to also talk about it sometimes. That there is a cost. But that's okay. It's a loss 
of something you really don't need anyhow if you're wanting to be closer to God. And the means, you can't do it by some reventing a new wheel or some object. The means is there's only one way, and it's what Jesus proved when he was on planet Earth as he disciples his disciples. Discipleship is what grows us more into the image of Christ. And the neat thing is with discipleship, it doesn't matter where you are. <laughs> it's not like an, a, a, an undergraduate and a, a master graduate course you get into. Discipleship starts where you are, through the Holy Spirit, and knowing the truth about God and what He thinks about you. Let's talk about... Oh, where am I going? Here we go. I think we're going the right way. No, we're not. Boy, I'm sorry tonight. Teaching, what Jesus did. A little bit more breathed out definition. To study or talk about something specific that allows someone to retain more knowledge. What's the knowledge we're seeking as Christ followers? To know God more. To know God more. This action can go beyond retaining. Now, here's the big difference. I can retain a lot of knowledge. (laughs) But if I don't know I can apply any of that knowledge. You know people who think they know everything. If you don't know that person, then you know what that means. But, but, but they may have great knowledge. And a lot of ed- people even in high education, the knowledge is the power. It is part of the piece of the power. But if you don't know how to apply anything of that knowledge... You're just what Jesus called, or Paul was, I think, puffed up knowledge. You're just prideful. It doesn't, and it doesn't help anybody. But teaching is so important, so we want to know more about God. But we also need to be very clear that there's an application that comes from that knowledge to get to know God more and be discipled in that. Reaching, reaching. Some breakdowns. The first thing you should be reaching for at all times, seeking His will alone. His will. Merge your will with His will. He's got a better will. He knows you. He created you. He designed you. Oh, and by the way, He loves you. Know His will. No matter what I want to accept more of God in me. Oh, wait. I didn't spell that out right. Basically, let me put my hand over. Less of me and more of you. That's it. Father, burn out of me what's too much of me at times. That effort to sustain some secular self so you can fill me more through your Holy Spirit. Reaching. There should begin to be an internal posture where I know at all times, we mentioned this earlier with Jesus, that I'm ready to reach for whatever God's calling me to reach for. My, my posture is not this. But my posture is this. Where are we going, God? I have a posture that I want to reach for something more than I've ever reached for before. Amen? It Externally, beware of your surroundings. So if you're reaching and you have internal posture, you're seeking His will, less of you, more of, less of me, more of Him, then externally... Be aware of your surroundings. 
the world revolves more, revolves more than from you to reach other people around you. The world is revolving, not because of you, but to reach others around you. Reaching. Pastor, what if I reach and break my arm? Well, you're doing God's will. He'll heal it. <laughs> Keep reaching. I fall down. Get back up. Reaching. We live in this comatose, and I'm, I'm not out of it either, this comatose sense of day in and day out of what I did yesterday is what I'm going to do today. And what I do today, I'll probably do tomorrow. But where I'll get is farther than I've ever been. It's like that definition of insanity. Doing the same things over and over, expecting different results. Connecting. First, as a Christ follower and discipling, connecting to the Holy Spirit daily. That's what Jesus had, the Spirit of God inside him. The Holy Spirit came for us to have that same Spirit in us. Communicate daily with the Holy Spirit. Welcome Him to guide your day in prayer, worship, time in the Word of God, spending time in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will not invade your day. You have to welcome Him. You have to acknowledge Him. It may seem silly at first. I'm talking to myself. No, He's in you. When you accepted Christ as your Lord, part of the sealment, the inheritance, the proof, the everything you need was the Holy Spirit that became, became inside of you and is growing daily if you invite Him and recognize Him. Connecting to those close to you. People connect with them to help point them to God, a loving God. Connect to the cross and that Jesus wants to meet you. I heard a testimony. I know I made a misspelling. I heard a testimony recently of a, an atheist and his, his sibling uh, became a Christian and he didn't, you know, she was always kind of out there, but he's like, wow, she's actually making sense finally. And, and, and she kept tell, telling him over a, spirit, a time of two or three months, I think it was, when they were having lunch or anything. He, she didn't preach at him, but she continued to say, you know what, Jesus wants to meet you. That's simple. And it stirred in his heart over time. Because you know what? She was talking about Jesus, a son of man. A son of man that can relate to you and connect with you. And loves you. Imagine if we told people that sometimes. You're going to hell. No, let's say Jesus wants to meet you first before you, you may not have to go to hell. <laughs> Church community. Community is where we come together, like now, for something greater than ourselves, relating in different areas to do life together. We all come from different areas, but we come together for one greater purpose, right? As ourselves. So vision, excuse me, for discipleship. You've heard it a lot tonight, and you'll continue to hear it. Teaching, reaching, and connecting. Teaching the truth about God's word and how much he loves you. Reaching our world around us with God's love. Connecting as a church community. 
Pastor, I thought we were a family. We are. We are. We're the family of God. Scripture says we're all the family of God. Pastor Ray talked about being in a house, the house. We're all the family of God. Faith Christian Center, the church down the street. We're all the family of God. Where our coat and shirt would come off for someone else, a brother and sister in Christ. But God creates specific communities to to walk out specific wills for what he's calling to do. And that's community. Family is who we are. Community is what we do. Does that make sense? Vision for discipleship. I would encourage you, no matter where you are at Faith Christian Center or any other church you're going to, dig in. What do they have to offer that lures and brings me in a positive way through God's love to be discipled more? That discipleship may come from teaching. We get that Sunday, Wednesday, other areas. Some of the reaching may be for you something different than it is for me. You may have to reach out of your shell to go to a small group because you've never gone to one. This is almost a small group right here, by the way. A lot of great things happen in this. Connecting. Oh, my gosh, I don't run to my car right after praise and worship. You know, the last song is hit. But I know I might be called to just say hi for another minute longer to somebody else. We need each other. Not to create a bubble, but to encourage ourselves to go out more and more and do life together, following Christ. So Faith Christian Center, reaching, teaching, connecting. So important for us to know that and to walk out our mission in life. It's so important. It's so important. Amen? Amen. Imagine if we all knew, and I know you guys are here, but knew the importance of hunger and desire that converts into us knowing the importance of discipleship. It's so important. We're not just doing church, we're being the church and creating disciples as part of the Great Commission. It's literally Jesus' last big message to those disciples listening. For us just to create a church and a social place, which is important, but it's not the means to the, it may be a means to an end, but it's not everything why we're here. We're here to expand. See, when we step out and begin to reach and connect, in our daily lives, organically, not a program, not a script, but what's God doing in you? Power of testimony. Just sharing and being a light to those around you. You grow much more than you can ever imagine because it calls Christ to step in because you're representing him. If you're doing it right. So you've got a great backer, the God of the universe, Jesus our King to a dying world. And the more you see through the lens of Christ to the people around you, the more you're being filled with the love to see that vision from Him. I'm not fully there yet, but I want to get there. And it's through discipleship. Discipleship. Amen. I do want to make this announcement too. So I know there's people joining us online tonight. 
and uh, I think you've heard from the other pastors or even myself too, uh, going into a new year and different things, there's changes that happen. Don't worry, it's nothing bad. But I'm just, there's something I'm going to talk about. Um, you know, I, I usually say, you know, for a change that's happening, it's going to be a season. God works in seasons, right? And, 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 and especially as New Englanders, we know seasons real well. Uh, the thing with seasons is outside of the weather pattern, well, typically, you know when it should start or end. But with God, it's always a beginning of something. Don't worry about how long, how when, and try and be God and play timelines. But I believe the change I'm about to talk to is a season. Uh, and, and, and it has a lot to do with Wednesday night right now. So over the course of uh, uh, almost a year, just through prayer and, and talking with the other pastors, uh, we felt what is happening here on Wednesday night is phenomenal. It's great. And as we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to to lead more and not try and make this another service all the time, that we felt where it's going to probably begin to grow more, and I'll step out on a limb, is here on Wednesday night. Nobody said amen, but that's all right. So in doing that, and again, Sundays are great. They're, everybody's here. The Holy Spirit is moving, but I believe the Spirit shows up where, where there's an appetite of hunger, greater. So wherever the appetite of hunger is, in my experience and many of you are saying amen, he shows up and does things that we couldn't expect. And I think Wednesday night is a great space for that. Don't worry, I'm not asking you guys to all do something weird right now. But what I am saying is I believe for a season that moving forward at the beginning of March, we are not going to live stream this service. Pastor, at the risk of everybody watching online, yes, there will be a risk. I'm okay with that. We've done and prayed this out. We've thought about it. I am more willing to step out and let the Holy Spirit move to the people that are in front. And it has nothing to do. People are far away. There's grace. You can't come out. That's okay. And I'll tell you what we're going to do with that. But I really believe as this is beginning to grow and just become a little bit more intimate. Notice we're not preaching up here, and I'm not way up. We're not up there. We're down here. We're a little bit more of a small group. That's great. But I think we can open the doors where we can minister in different ways as a group of people. So it may require you to reach a little bit more out of your comfort zone. But the neat thing is the Holy Spirit doesn't embarrass anybody. Because he already knows where you are and I am. But imagine, I mean, and I'm not going to put formulas together and what the expectations are because then that begins to put God in a box. You'll still hear messages and things that we're doing, but we're going to know that sometimes the greatest thing that might happen on a Wednesday night may not be the message. It may be prayer. It may be interceding with one another. It may be me getting closer than I am right now or you closer with whatever. But I think with it not an online service, that brings a better intimacy in this, and I'm willing to take that risk. 
So those online, I do apologize, but the door is open. You can come in, but and I understand many cannot come, and that's okay. But this is something that is growing here, and I'm excited about. So we're all on board on this. Um, the thing we will do, uh, again, season, but we will also at the beginning of each week, it'll either be the pastor that's speaking on a Wednesday or maybe just a pastor that we will film um, maybe a 10 or 15 minute message and we will post it on Wednesday night. So you're getting a message, which is what you're getting when you're watching online mostly, mostly. So that's what we're going to do. So we'll start that the first Wednesday in March. I'll announce it again next week. I'll be doing next week too. We want to get into some more of the teaching and reaching and connecting, but then I want to talk about Paul's angle in it. What did Paul do when it came to teaching and reaching and connecting? And let's, let's get some prayer together and see where we can go from there. I'm excited. Change is okay. Change is okay. And those online, you will get a message an inspiring message that will, 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 will lead you to prayer and continuing to disciple. It's not anything less or more, but God wants to do something here in the physical of where we are right now, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited. So I ask you to draw in, reach, connect when you come out. Don't sit in the foyer. Come into the room. <laughs> Get close. We're a community that wants to go somewhere with God. And if you feel a little uncomfortable at times, that's okay. You'll get through it. I never thought I'd be standing here talking to you. So at first it was uncomfortable for me for a while. But when God calls and leads you into areas, he empowers you, he equips you, and then he leads you. And the greatest thing along the way is each time you begin to know how much more he is faithful, 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 faithful. I was talking to John this before we started service and just talking about the power of just being thankful. I know I'm on a side note for a minute, but some of you may need to hear that. Remain thankful. There's so much power in it. Satan perverse things. I think the perversion of thankful is complaining. Stay away from cancer, Complaining. Thankful in everything. Give thanks to the Lord. The Psalms are full with that. David knew that the heart of God flowed out where he could be thankful in everything, even in his mistakes, which he made many. Thankful because God would carry him. You need to be thankful. We live in America. My latte didn't come out when I thought it was coming out of Starbucks. And I was not thankful. And then quickly I was reminded that there's people in countries that don't even know what coffee is. Don't even have the opportunity to order something in a benefit. Be thankful in everything. Be thankful. There's so much power in that. Because thankful, and I'll be done, thankful grows humility too. God gives grace to the humble. How much do we need grace every day? His grace. Not cheap grace, His grace. And we can do everything He's calling us to do. Can we stand? Mm. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this evening and this opportunity to 
come together uh, for your will alone and your agenda, Lord. We may come into this room in different areas of being tired, some from a long day, which is true, or human, uh, and some being in other spirits of maybe just having bad news recently. But we can rest in that you are a faithful God and we are thankful that you always know where we are. And through that, you reach us. Lord, as we learn today what Jesus did in teaching, reaching, and connecting, let it begin, on to, begin to grow in our hearts how we can become disciples to follow Christ through those important principles and activities and actions and disciplines. Lord, above all, let your agenda be to fill us with your love. And as we become more into the fullness of Christ, Lord, we begin to see how other things are not as much as important. Let us always know that our MO, (laughs) Lord, is to love you and through you we can love the people around us and point to you alone. Give us grace through the rest of the week, Lord, and we just pray. Thank you for safety in our lives and in our personal lives. Continue us wisdom, clarity through your Holy Spirit as we continue to lean more into becoming more of being disciples of our Savior and our soon, oh, thank you, our soon coming King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.